Hey, this is Fireman Rob. You know, optimal performance isn't something that happens just by accident. I know this for a fact from being a fireman and doing way too many Ironman triathlons and full firefighter gear. But everybody always asks me, what's your secret? I can give you one secret. That's the right stuff, hydration. Hydration is important when it comes to being present in the moment, ready to run into the fires and being capable of showing up every single time at your best. The Right Stuff was created for NASA by NASA for their astronauts. Now it's trusted by professional athletes in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and most of the top tier college sports. It's not an accident to prepare yourself to be great. If you're looking for that next edge, go to therightstuff-usa.com and enter the code FIREMANROB and you'll get 10% off at your checkout. This is an opportunity I wouldn't pass up. I have and still do use The Right Stuff. It's serious hydration for serious athletes, from the weekend warriors to those on the front lines. Make this a part of your habits to be the best you daily. Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same blood, the same blood. Stay by your side, it's right or die. We've got the same All right, welcome back to Forge in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today's guest is an amazing individual who is constantly um, impacting not only our community here in Dane County, but throughout the nation, and is one of those people that if I went through all of his accolades, um, it would actually take up the whole 30 minutes of the show. So I'm going to actually just introduce him. He is the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Dane County. His name is Michael Johnson. Thank you so much for being on today. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on, man. My, my pleasure. I, lo- I love your story, the amount of things that you've done, uh, not only for you know children's life, but for adults. I want to go back to your childhood and give everybody perspective of you You came up in the Boys and Girls Club, and it was an impactful part of your life when you started out. Yeah, so you know, I grew up uh, on the west side of Chicago, went to uh, the Eisenberg uh, Boys and Girls Club right off Taylor Street. And uh, it was just uh, a place that I found a sanctuary, right? So, you know, I grew up, I grew up in a neighborhood that was infested with gangs, drugs, and you know, prostitution. And I knew, you know, as a kid watching a lot of my friends go to jail, watching you know my friends being killed on the streets, that I wanted something better for my life and didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my life. But I know I wanted to live and I wanted to do something. Um, great to be of service to other people. And uh, that Boys and Girls Club, while it wasn't the greatest building, there was a lot of people, you know, in the Eisenberg Club who loved kids. And you knew it when we walked in that facility. (laughs) And I believe, you know, that place kept me alive and kept me out of trouble. And so I'm forever grateful uh, to Boys and Girls Clubs. 
it's it's amazing the how all that transition i mean if you look at your resume it speaks to your giving to others you're constantly um striving to make great waves in just having children and families uh see that there's potential and possibility how does that transition from you really having experienced it firsthand to how you are the CEO now of the Boys and Girls Club. How does that translate to you? Man, you know, uh, Rob, I mean, you know, coming from humble beginnings, uh, I'm thankful, right? You know how some people say, well, you know, uh, I knew we were poor, but it didn't feel like we were poor. Right. I I knew we were poor. And we felt, we felt, um, um, the challenges uh, in our family. Uh, but, you know, I had a, a single mom who had some mental health issues, but I knew she loved me. I knew she tried her best to uh, provide. And I started working at 13 years of age. I would go to the Boys and Girls Club. I would go work at uh, this grocery store right across the street from the high-rise building that I grew up in because I wanted to help provide and support you know, my mom, as she went through, you know, challenges in the later latter part of, you know, her life. And so when I look at, like, issues that families face today, like, I'll give an example. When my mother died, we had no insurance. And I remember I was a volunteer at Boys and Girls Clubs trying to get employed. Um, I was at Boys and Girls Club maybe three months, and then my mother passed away. And I was working on the south side of Chicago. And there was a director by the name of Marianne Hughes, who is now the CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs, the Union League Club of Chicago, um, went and took up a collection and they buried my mother. And uh, and I don't know how we would have gotten through that without the support you know, of Boys and Girls Clubs. And so when I look at the stuff that we do in Madison, where there's been times where we raised you know, money to help you know, support kids who have fallen victim to violence, or, you know, a family whose house has been burned down. Uh, there's real challenges that come with those kinds of things. And so we try to use our influence and our position, you know, in the community to try to get resources to those who might find themselves in challenging circumstances. That's, that's so powerful. And that, well, a quote here that I have from you that, um, you know, right after – uh, the protests and everything that happened and and the division that we've had. Your quote was, uh, we did many things you don't typically see Boys and Girls Club do, but that's the point. When kids' futures and your community's well-being are at stake, doing whatever it takes is exactly what we must do. It speaks volumes to who you are. And the the vulnerability one that you know telling your story but but two being able to have that voice for those people who don't feel like they have a voice what is that what does that feel like for you to be able to do that for other other people you know it comes with uh for what much is given much is due right and so right. you know over time um you know we've raised a significant amount of resources for kids in our community and there's a lot of people who uh who sing our praises and, and provide a lot of support, but there's also a lot of critics, right? When you right. step out there on controversial issues, uh, some people will like uh, what uh, like the stances you take, and some um, won't like it. What I've learned over the years is that I've just tried to follow my gut, 
try to get a the temperature of what the challenge challenges are, and then try to have an intelligent conversation around how we move an agenda forward that's going to help young people um, in our community. And that's what I've tried to do for the last thirteen years that I'm here that I've been here, and I've always just tried to lead uh, with my heart. Uh, and have tried to bring other people along in doing that, whether it's giving away a car to a family or whether it's building a new house for a family or whether it's having a family, helping a family that might be going through a crisis or from a programming level, helping thousands of kids, you know, graduate from high school and go on, go on to college. You know, I believe when you do the right things, you'll be blessed in the process. And, uh, and karma, like if you go around dogging people, uh, mistreating people, it'll come back to you. Right. But I believe that when you do good by people, I just firmly believe uh, that the world will spin, spin around and come back and do good things with you. And I, and I love, you know, you, <clears throat> you're not, you don't just speak the message. Your actions are so powerful and that you deliver these things. Yeah. I mean, just just a, a quick figure um, that in the time that you've been uh, CEO of Boys and Girls Club, the operating budget, uh, you grew it by 395%. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you quadrupled the number of employees, which is, which is also amazing part of being able to expand it so that, um, you know, like you were saying, to be able to have kids graduate high school, giving scholarships and being able to provide those other things. What is it, what is it that you see as the legacy? I know that you had talked about um, when you went through that Harvard business school, uh, Dr. V, the eye doctor from India. Yeah. yeah Tell me yeah. a little bit more about that, that, that uh, part of you, that legacy that you want to leave behind. Yeah. So when I was in the Harvard business school program, they, they did these case studies, and um, and and it's interesting. They've now agreed to do a case study on our organization. And uh, out of all the case studies we went through, I was very intrigued by this guy named Dr. V uh, in India who uh, built. Uh, there was a, a huge issue with uh, people from India going blind, and uh, he started this eye clinic, and he wanted to expand it, but he didn't have the money to be able to do it. He wasn't fundraising enough to be able to bring the money in. So what he started doing was asking his friends who were uh, eye doctors to come and work with him, you know, part time. And then as he grew it, he started uh, uh, asking doctors to work for him full time, but he couldn't afford them to pay them, you know, market rate. So people started volunteering their time. They were so inspired about what he was doing. So he wanted to build a hospital, but he didn't have the money. So he financed his house to be able to do it. And then he built the hospital like one one floor at a time until he eventually <laughs> got where he wanted. And there was like two million people a year that was literally going blind. And this was a guy who pretty much like you talk about a pandemic. That was a pandemic, but yeah. in terms of you know people having um, eye issues, and I was just very very intrigued, you know, by his motivation, intrigued that he was able to do something that. You know, the, uh, his local government couldn't do. And uh, and that story resonated with me. So when I think of, you know, Boys and Girls, because I don't know what my legacy will be, but what I will know is that, you know, uh, when, it's, when it's all said and done, hopefully in 20 years when I, 
Uh, I got 20, I think 20 more years worth, maybe oh, wow. 25. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'm 47. So I got, I got a little way, a little go. time left. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, when, when it's all said and done, that boys and girls clubs will have um, 75 to a hundred million dollars in assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this organization will be around uh, for uh, hundreds of years. I'm hoping by the time I'm done that thousands of kids will be able to say, I came through the boys and girls clubs. I got my, uh, my high school diploma. I got my college degree. And now I'm making a, a sustainable wage and I own a home and I have my own family. And that uh, thousands of kids will be able to say that for decades, at least the next two decades that I'll be right. here. Uh, and then I would say we're right now raising $35 million for a workforce center, which we're going to announce on Friday. And um, our, our capital campaign, where we want to teach kids how to become plumbers, carpenters, electricians. And I'm oh, hoping so that, yeah, like through this initiative, that they'll be able to, you know, say uh, that, you know, I left high school and was able to make seventy-five, eighty, nine thousand dollars $90,000 of that. I learned a trade and that right. Boys and Girls Clubs opened that door. And, um, and, and I want to bridge the wealth gap uh, in our community. So I hope when it's all said and done, that my family, uh, my wife, my kids would have been proud of me uh, in terms of being a good husband, being a good father, and being a good nonprofit leader um, in our community. That's uh, that's amazing, and yeah, I, I'm going to say that you're well on your way, <laughs> well, <laughs> if not you. there already. Yeah. What is it? What does it mean to you with your family being there with you? Um, you know seeing where you where you came from and seeing what you're doing for other kids what does that mean to you for your kids future you know it means a lot um about a month ago my daughter my oldest daughter so i have a 17 year old son a 12 year old daughter and a eight year old daughter and my oldest daughter came to me and uh and said uh dad i am proud to be your daughter Oh, wow. And I, and I asked her why, and this was actually this was right around Christmas time. You know, at that time uh, we had just uh, helped our maintenance guy, um, um, uh, where our donors helped him purchase a half a million dollar home, and it was just uh, absolutely amazing experience. And then we uh, went around town, and I think we took about a hundred people on shopping sprees. And, and and it was really the generosity of our donors. So I'm just hoping, like, you know, when uh, my kids grow up, that uh, that they would grow up and, and know that their dad was have always been here for them. And I've learned over the years that you could never put anything above your family. And so I've tried to, you know, balance my life with spending time with my wife, spending time with my kids, uh, support them on the things that they want doing things around the house. Like, you know, I want my, my family to have a nice sanctuary that I didn't have. And so whether it's cleaning up, painting their rooms or right. sprucing up outside, <laughs> uh, I try to do that to make sure that my kids live a better life than me and that I'm not just this guy that's out in the community and not even taking care of my own family. And I'm proud to, you know, share that, you know, uh, my son is a honor roll student track. He runs track. He plays football. He's into, you know, rap and he's doing really, really well. And same as my daughter, she played 
baseball. She's into music. My other, <laughs> my youngest daughter's in gymnastics, and she's doing really, really well. You're in busy, school, so <laughs> yeah, busy, busy, busy life, man. But I'm, I'm thankful because you could be not busy, and right. uh, and it's a blessing to be able to you know have family and be able to enjoy a career that you absolutely love. I love that. You know, going going back to like when you were younger and when when do you do you remember if was there a point where you felt empowered to be able to speak your voice and and really show through your actions the importance of what you were looking for without that fear? No, I came later late in life. So, you okay. know, uh, I had a, um, I was a special ed student and I had stuttering issues. Uh you know, and it took me, you know, I I couldn't read and write at college, at the collegiate level. So I ended up spending about uh, five years, four and a half years at Malcolm X College uh, on the west side of Chicago. So I had to take two and a half years of preparatory courses. And then I had to take two years to get my associate's degree. And it was really there where I took a public speaking class. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and the teacher, the professor there at the time was like, just keep practicing in the mirror and you'll get better, Michael. Like just write out your own words. And I did that for about a year, just practicing, being comfortable speaking, you know, in front of people. And then at that time I was volunteering at Boys and Girls Clubs at a John L. Yancey Club on the South Side. And then they ended up hiring me as a director uh, about a year later uh, after volunteering and becoming a program director. And then, um, then I got the director job and that required me to speak. <laughs> and that made me nervous. And it was really at that point where um, when I noticed that people would applaud. Uh, and then there was some people were, that was telling me, like, you got to enunciate your words better. There was a, a senior level person at Boys and Girls that was coaching me on right. that. So I would say it probably was uh, a combination of Malcolm X College and my first uh, full-time job at Boys and Girls Clubs that got me to a point where I felt comfortable speaking in front of people. Uh, and do you see that in, in the kids when they see you at the boys and girls club, do you see that, that transition when they see you standing up there knowing what you've been through, do you start to see some of those kids start to take leadership in their lives because mm-hmm. of your role model status? You know, I'm not sure, man. Like there was somebody who told me the other day, he thought I was a millionaire <laughs> and, uh, and and he said, "Well, I see you raise all this money." And uh, he said, "Are you gonna get a boys and girls club a million dollars?" I was like, "I wish I had it." I said, "I raise it, but I don't. I don't have. I don't have that kind of uh, those kinds of assets." But I always right. donate to boys and girls club. I <laughs> donate time. Uh, I mean, come on. I, Let's, uh, yeah, there's it, a lot of it, effort it, and energy it, put into that. Time, time, talent, but I also donate treasure too, right? Yeah. And so. And to do my part in supporting uh, the organization, but I say all that to say that um, that uh, that uh, now nah, I lost it. Well, tell me the question one more time. Oh, uh, just do you do you see other kids that when they see yeah, you yeah, talking? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would say it's amazing. Like like some of the text messages I'll get. Man, I'm about to graduate, or I'm in medical school right now, uh, or Facebook, MJ, thank you for helping my family. Really appreciate it. Or a kid that would say, you know, hey, I read your story in class today. You know, Mr. Johnson, would you come and speak to, you know, our school? Those things do make you, like, feel good. And I feel like in Madison, for the most part, 
You know, right. I can go into any community and feel comfortable, whether it's talking to people on the street or talking to high net worth individuals or talking to different races and cultures about a variety of different topics. I've really got to know different groups, you know, in our community. And, uh, and I'm thankful, like coming from, you know, humble experiences uh, and my family, all my family pretty much still stay uh, in public housing and still have their fair share of challenges of so staying grounded and, you know, right. being around them. And a lot of my friends are still in Chicago and seeing some of the challenges that still happening, you know, there keeps me grounded. And then I try to stay connected to grassroots people um, in the community. Cause now I'm finding myself as we are elevating our organization and our work, you know, because of the nature of my job, I deal with a lot of hot network individuals so I started, I try to stay grounded and stay connected to people who are connected to the streets to make sure that I can help keep a pulse on what's going on in neighborhoods throughout Dane County. That's, that's a huge aspect of it. I mean, that's the biggest aspect because understanding, you know, cause a lot of people transition to different areas and, you know, get educated and go to different places, but that's huge to have that, uh, an individual like yourself, that's actually still an embedded in and understands what is needed. And especially with, you know, what, what happened, I, one of the things I wanted to go over was just the amazing stuff that you did. Um, what was it back in 2019? I can't uh-huh. remember. Um, when, you, you know, after, after some of, uh, we had rallies and all sorts of stuff, but you brought 3000 boys and girls club members to help clean the streets. But then not only that did, but you also sat and listened um, to some of the people who were um, at those things to be able to understand both sides. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that that was really challenging uh, when all that happened because there was a lot of people, I think we ended up raising $200,000 for those businesses downtown after mm-hmm. just raising $2 million to help. I think 41 different agencies provide support to over 10,000 people within two weeks of the pandemic, you know, happening. And then, you know, when uh, the civil unrest happened downtown, uh, I, you know, I'm glad I got an opportunity. I think myself, Renee Moe, uh, Gloria, uh, Gloria um, who was the president of the school board, Gloria Reyes, and Anthony Cooper, we had all stayed out all night walking and protesting with those young people right. and just watching some of the challenges that happened, you know, down there. And there was a group of young people that came to me and said, you know, we appreciate you being down here, Mr. Johnson. But uh, here's an example. Look behind us, and we were in front of the state capitol, and they were like, there's no representation of black people in the capitol, no representation of other people of color at the capitol. So if you want to do something, um, uh, get these legislators to make sure that there's at least art represented, you know, of um, uh, different people at the capitol. So I called the governor's office the next uh, morning and then they responded and the, uh, the governor's chief of staff has shared with me that there was no uh, real public um, art display of uh, anyone in the building. So uh, I immediately wrote a letter to the chair of the, uh, the executive residency board. Uh, and now uh, there was a unanimous vote to have Bill Phillips who yeah. will become the first black woman in the United States to have a statue you know, at the state capitol, and uh, and I'm thankful that those young people brought that to my attention. Now, something very, very productive and great came out of that. 
But on the other side, I had a group of kids who started a petition, wanted me fired, right? And right. Uh, and then there was a counter petition from another group of kids uh, that tripled the amount of signatures that was on uh, <laughs> uh, that one. And but I also understood why they were upset with me, right? You know, they right. were upset because. You know, I had hired some peace officers. There was a group of kids who came to me and said, you know, uh, can you help us have somebody that can be down there giving face masks to the kids? Can you make sure uh, that, you know, if there's adults down there telling kids to break into buildings, that there's at least some responsible adults out there that could try to, you know, right. uh, uh, persuade some of those young people from getting in trouble. But there was a segment of people in our community that was telling young people and I had folks out, I was working with the police and I had people out there, you know, spying on these kids, just putting just nonsense, nonsense. out there. And uh, so, so these group of kids got together and I think they were influenced by some adults and they were writing letters to Boys and Girls Schools of America, writing letters to my board of directors, calling on me to be fired. And I doubled down. I was just like, you know, I know what I'm doing is right. Uh, I don't want to see young people catching felonies. I don't want to see young people getting out. That was my message. So I'm not going to apologize for what I'm doing, but I also respect that if you feel like I'm doing something wrong, you voice your concern that chips fall where they fall. So I've just learned you got to be fearless sometimes. You got to be willing to be uncomfortable to see ch the changes that you think are the right thing to change uh, and on. And sometimes when you are in an uncomfortable chair, around community issues. It's like walking across the bridge. You're going to get walked on from both sides. I've just learned uh, that if you're going to be a bridge maker, um, you got to be willing to be walked on sometimes from both sides of that bridge. That's so well said. And, and the, again, it keeps coming back to your actions. And, you know, the, there was an interesting, um, so a, a quote that you quoted in one of your, uh, in your paper, um, uh, from Martin Luther King Jr. It says, people fail to get along because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because they have not communicated with each other. Tell me more about, you said a little bit in the in what you did with Madison. What is it in the Boys and Girls Club that you do that kind of accentuates that? You know, I think that, um, you know, especially in Madison, sometimes I'll talk to whether it's my Latino friends, you ever had somebody black at your house or my white friends, you ever had somebody black or Latino at your house. And a lot of times, a lot of different races and cultures don't connect outside of whether it's the workplace or school, or you go into high schools and you'll see in elementary school, you'll see different groups of kids from different races and cultures intermingling. And then when you go to high school, it kind of like they start segregating out and and I don't care what high school in the country you go to, for whatever reason, it's just like that. Right. And so what I've learned that uh, you got to get to know people, right? Break bread with people. Go to people's houses. Uh, get to know them. Go on bike rides. Go fishing. I remember somebody invited me to a farm. Now, I'm an urban guy who grew up in the projects. And I remember there was a donor invited me to a farm party. And, and and I'll be honest, I don't know damn farm party. Oh my god, I just don't want to do that. And I, I ended up going there and had like the best time of my life. <laughs> they had they had four wheelers on that farm, and we we're just out there with four wheelers, like out there riding around. They did. Now, now I don't eat meat anymore, but at that time they had a uh, 
a pig roast and they were like roasting <laughs> pigs. They had people out there dancing. I was like, God, this is one hell of a party. <laughs> and uh and I become really, really good friends um um with that family and uh and really respect them and what they do, you know, in this community. And it's it's actually Jay and Janet Lowy. And uh and and it's just amazing people. I think about John and Joella McKenzie who had asked me to come visit them in Florida. And uh, at the time, I didn't know them well, but I was trying to get them to give a $100,000 scholarship to one of our kids who have now since graduated from UW-Madison uh, last June, a young Latino woman. Um, and and I remember going there, meeting with them. And they were like, well, why are you getting a hotel room? And I said, well... <laughs> Um, cause I think, uh, I don't know you all that well, so, uh, I think that's best for everybody. So John was like, well, just stay at our house. We got plenty of space. And I was like, oh my God. So I spent, I think it was three, actually three days and I ended up having such a great time with them. And now they're, uh, one of my largest donors who contributed, you know, and he, he was very instrumental. Not only did he personally, him and Joella has personally given over 2 million the Boys and Girls oh. Club, but that, that has now uh, turned into them helping me raise $25 million over the last eight months for our workforce center. That just speaks volumes to that that personal connection. Like you said, reach out and communicate, even if you're, you know, a lot of the uncertainty is uncomfortable to a lot of people, but it's not uncertain. Just be be human. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's just about it's connections mean uh, a lot. So I've just tried to connect with a variety of different people in our community, you know, and some, so sometimes you might see me with uh, people who uh, might look like that. This is one guy named Jackie Bodine. If you see Jackie, uh, Jackie dress, uh, you know, some people would say he looks like a pimp, right? He's always in suits <laughs> and big hats and oh, big yeah. cups. But this is a guy who uh, I helped him get a job at UW. He's been working, you know, he, he was in prison about a decade ago. And at the time, we had put together this 15-point plan to try to curb some of the violence um, in Madison. And he came to every meeting every Monday. And I helped him get a job at UW. I think it's been either seven or eight years now. But, you know, Jackie loves to dress. But if you look at him, some people would judge him. Right. Uh, this guy has the biggest heart you'll ever meet. and But he also keeps me grounded around what's going on uh, in uh, certain segments of our community, uh, him and other people like Corey uh, and so many others that I deal with. And so so not just, you know, people who are high net worth individuals, but people who might be still living in those communities. Right. Uh, it just keeps you well balanced. It keeps you connected. And, it's, and when you talk about a bridge, sometimes when issues come up, somebody asks me, how do you raise money so quickly when these <laughs> crises happen? It's because people from the streets keep me connected and I can make a phone call um, usually from a couple dozen people who got the resources to help address those issues. That's a, that's amazing. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. Make sure uh, you go to bgcdc.org. Um, that is the Boys and Girls Club of Dane County. You can find out more about Michael, find out more about the programs, and also donate. I always end my sessions the same way. I have three questions for you. You ready, Michael? 
I'm ready. <laughs> All right. The first one, if you could go back to your 18 year old self, what is one piece of advice that you give to yourself? I want to be like fireman Rob, Rob, <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob. <laughs> um, I would be say, a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, man, I wish, you know, at 18, I would have took school a lot serious. Uh, you know, um, um, you know, you know, I went to Creek Gear High School, one of the lowest performing high schools in the state. And I just wish that um, I would have just been a little bit more dedicated, you know, at school at the time. And I probably could have went to a uh, uh, a better high school and uh, watching my son, you know, play sports. I wish, you know, I got an opportunity right. to go play football at the University of Minnesota. Uh, but by the time I got there, I didn't have a lot of the fundamentals in place. And I wish uh, I would have just learned that early on. So I would tell 18-year-old Michael uh, uh, to stay in school, uh, to uh, take it a little bit more seriously. And uh, and at that time, I was also, um, I don't know, I just wasn't focused on positive stuff. I was still getting in trouble a little bit and just thankful uh, that I came up out that environment. That's that's good advice for anybody. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Here's the second one. Um, everybody always has challenges and struggles and dark moments in their life. And if if there was two habits that you would say would uh, somebody could incorporate into their daily life, what would those two habits be to continue to move forward? Yeah, I would say one balance, right? You know, whether it's balance with family, balance with life, balance with anything. Sometimes we get consumed with one thing over the other, and it throws throws you off. And uh, I did that in the early part of uh, Boys and Girls Clubs where I was in the office sometimes for a week all night long, spend the night oh, wow. there, shower there, constantly, just constantly working. And it just was not healthy. And, uh, and you can't operate, you know, like that. It's not It's not sustainable. So I would say balance is uh, critical. And then I would say, you know, um, I am, I personally am a man of faith. And so I try to, uh, from a spiritual perspective, you know, whether it's whatever you have a way, you know, who you pray to. Uh, I just think it's good to have some spiritual component, you know, tied to your life. And then I would also say, you know, uh, balance for me was, you know, my wife, I love her. And but she's crazy to some degree, and, uh, <laughs> but she she keeps me balanced, man. And uh, and uh, I appreciate her because uh, uh, I think yeah I think it would be hard that if, if I was a single guy, I don't yeah. know, I probably would just work 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 all the time. Right. And I'm glad I got family that pulls me away from some of my work at times. I love it. I love it. All right, this last one's always fun. Um, if you could have coffee with three other individuals that could be deceased or alive at a firehouse table. So in other words, no questions are off the table. It's going to be a spirited conversation. Who would those three people be and why? Man, I was definitely Martin Luther King would be uh, nope. at the top uh, of my list. Uh, and you know, there's no reason even to say why. I mean, he's the, in my opinion, the greatest civil rights leader to ever um, um, uh, walked uh, this earth and would have loved to have met him and uh, and have had uh, lunch with him. I would also say, you know, Dr. V. Uh, oh, that'd be, uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I would love to uh, sit down and, you know, and talk with him and 
learn about, you know, what he did, you know, uh, uh, you know, in India and uh, how he got through um, that. So he would be uh, the, uh, the second person. Then third person I would probably say is uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Um, oh, wow, that's a group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she is uh, just knowing like what she went through as a child and how she started her business and uh, and what she has become um, today. Uh, those are three people that I would love to uh, break bread with. And I was it would have been a fourth person, but I actually. Had to have breakfast with him last Friday, and it was Denzel Washington. I, and, uh, I, I, and I, I read that. I was like, that was amazing. Yeah, so that was uh, he would have he would have been my forefather. So that's off my bucket list. He can maybe he can maybe do the coffee. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, Carl Oprah made that happen for me. Denzel. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I love it. Well, Michael, hey, thank you for everything that you're doing for not only the youth but for our communities and um, and for coming on today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you. And thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.